Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning. Thanks for bearing with us. See how you like it. Uh, I want to just start this morning with a, with a question, and that is uh, this. How would, you, how would you describe your relationship with Christ? I mean, this may not really be such an easy question to answer. I mean, there's a lot of layers to it. How would you describe your relationship with Jesus Christ? You might answer in terms of the frequency of your church attendance or the frequency of your daily devotions. You might perhaps report on the frequency of your service to the poor or some other cause that you hold dear. You might answer in terms of how close you feel to Jesus or how readily you believe that God is answering your prayers. You might immediately feel guilty. And explain that, you know, it could probably be better if you just had more time. You might straight away just list off the the blessings, the many blessings that God has given to you. You might talk about the sacrament. You might wonder what in the world I'm talking about. A relationship with God? I think relationship is the right word. Although, of course, we're not talking about something romantic. I think Jesus actually would be comfortable with the word friendship. Although, of course, we're not really talking about a peer relationship. But whichever word you use, what we're talking about is a personal knowing. A shared, comfortable familiarity. Jesus knows you. And you know Jesus. Some would couch Christianity uh, by saying that that it's actually more of a relationship than a religion. I think that is true to some degree. I might say it like this. I might say that that without the relationship, the religion becomes empty. I mean, things like church attendance, uh, the liturgy, uh, acts of service, taking the sacraments, those, those things are all important, but they... They lose their meaning if we don't first have the relationship. If we don't know Him, those good things become wooden, hollow. So I say all this just really by way of introduction to the way in which our Scripture passages uh, describe the relationship between Jesus and His followers. So both of our passages, 1 John and the Gospel of John, were written by the Apostle John. And, and so, between these two passages, one particular word John uses 14 different times. And that is the word abide. Abide. So we want to take a look at this word abide to uh, see how it's used in these two passages. And ultimately, it would be an encouragement to you. Good news uh, for you in your own relationship with Jesus Christ. So we could spend uh, days on it, I think, but for the purpose of this sermon, we want to first look at what the word really means, abide, what it means, and then we want to say two things about it. 
We want to say that this abiding is rooted in the love of God. And we want to say that this abiding is a two-way street. So, first let's get a firm grasp on uh, what we mean by the word abide. We, we use it sometimes in our vocabulary, uh, but we use it saying something like, abide by the rules. Or I can just, I cannot abide uh, by those by that teaching, or by that person, or whatever. But that's, those aren't really the sense in which John is using that word here. The Bible here is using the word abide in the sense of stay with, remain with, uh, dwell with. Those would be synonyms, I think. The Greek word is tr- this translates is essentially the same. It can be translated remain, endure, stay with. Whatever way you translate it, it is a relational word. And it's a positive word. It suggests an ongoing and intentional connectedness. You know, you probably wouldn't say about a roommate, for instance, that you abide with them. You say you live with them. Abide, it doesn't mean that you... You live in the same place, but you might say you abide with him if you're hanging in there with them. Like if, if they got problems and you're sticking with them, you're putting up with their shenanigans, whatever it is, you are abiding with them. There's an intentional connectedness, not just a presence. I recently heard from a friend whose mother was dying, and she said it was so, hum- so comforting to know that her mother loved the Lord because now all she had to do was just abide. Just abide. And that's the sense in which we're talking about this. She meant she just needed to be present with her mom, to be there through this season with her mom. So to abide is to be present with To abide is to be present with. Maybe there is difficulty along the way. Maybe there's seasons of rest or tranquility. But there's a walking with. A being with. An ongoing presence with. To abide is inherently relational. You can't abide with Netflix. right? You're present with it. But binge watching isn't abiding. Those are... There's a relational aspect. To abide with is is relational. To stay connected to. And I I think that's probably a good starting place for for what we mean by the word abide. So now we just want to say two things. Two related things about how it's used in these passages. And especially how these scriptures understand our relationship with Jesus Christ. So first, this abiding is rooted in the love of God. And second, the abiding is a two-way street. So first, it's rooted in the love of God. All throughout the epistle, 1 John, John is talking about love. He says some very familiar phrases. Let us love one another. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. God is love. We love because He first loved us. Perfect love casts out fear over and over again. In fact, I counted the word love 29 times in this epistle. Uh, If you read through it, there is a very distinct direction about this love. It is that God loves us first. 
And from that love, we return love to him and we love those around us. God loves us first, and from that love, we love him and love others. Now, I want to just use, it might sound like a silly illustration, but, you know, in my house, we've got a 10-year-old, 7-year-old, 13-year-old. We watch watch superhero movies. And so you can imagine in uh, superhero movies, a lot of times the clouds are dark and they're swirling, and from the middle of the swirl, there's this powerful, brilliant beam of light that just shines down, falls down on the superhero, and then on the, and then the hero kind of flexes, and then this, this sort of massive shock that goes out, this reverberates out uh, in every direction. Get it? Does that make sense? That resonating with, you don't watch superhero movies? That's that's the idea, though, that, that I think John is conveying. God loves us first. It's not conditional. That's important. It comes to us first. It's not conditional. It's not circumstantial. It's not earned. It's, it's not because we're great people, because we're not, at least not in a godly sense. It's not because we're worthy, because we're not, at least not in a godly sense. It, it is because love is the character of God. Love is the character of God. God is love. He is the fountain. He is love's author. He is love's standard. In fact, John says he is love's origin. He is, all all love is from God. God first loved us, principally in the life and death and resurrection of his son. That's the principal gift of his love. And then, because of that atoning death and resurrection, God loves us with affection, an eternal affection. God has affection for you. He loves you. And then, the love's come down, but then because He first loved us, that is how we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is how we love our neighbor as ourselves. He is not simply our example of love. He is the power source. He's the outlet that we are to be plugged into. John says that God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. To abide is to stay under that brilliant column of light from on high. But then, John gets feisty. John starts meddling in our business. He says you simply cannot love God and hate your neighbor at the same time can't be done. He said, if that powerful love falls down, the way that you know it's been received is if it then goes out. If it doesn't go out, it hasn't been received. That is a challenge. And he is, he's taught, I mean, Jesus says, if, if you love those who love you, everybody does that. that. You're not any different. We're talking about Loving those who haven't loved you. Loving your enemies. John's talking about the annoying neighbor with the yippy dog, right? And then he's talking about the coworker, the annoying coworker with the bad breath who takes credit for other people's work. And those are just the easy ones, right? He's also talking about the family member who hurt you. And he's talking about, he's talking about the former friend who betrayed you. 
He's talking about your ex-spouse and all that means. And how can, how can John say that? I mean, how can, how can he get in our business like that? How can he ask that of us, that we would love them after all they've done to us? And I will tell you that it is because, the reason you can ask that is because when, when God first loved you, he gave you a place to put all those things. And that place is the cross. It doesn't mean that you have to forget. It doesn't mean that it didn't matter. But it does mean that since Jesus died for it, you can be free from the pain that it caused you. You can put it on the cross. We love because He first loved us. Abide in love. Abide in God, and God abides in you. He hangs in there with you. He is helping you forgive. He's being your constant refuge. Martin Luther said once, he wrote, A Christian lives not in himself, but in Christ and in his neighbor. Otherwise, he's not a Christian. He lives in Christ through faith, in his neighbor through love. By faith, he is caught up beyond himself into God. By love, he descends beneath himself into his neighbor. Yet he always remains in God and in his love. Abiding is rooted in the love of God. Abiding is always also a two-way two street. In the gospel passage, Jesus invites us, abide in me as I abide in you. I mean, that, it's a command. It's an, it's an imperative statement, but it's really more invitation, isn't it? Abide in me. It goes both ways. Abide in me as I abide in you. Stay with me as I stay in you. Endure with me as I endure with you. There is a mutuality to this abiding. And that's why Jesus describes this abiding relationship saying, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Love that imagery. There's this organic and vibrant and alive, ongoing connectedness. I'm the vine, you're the branches. We belong to each other, and yet there's an order, isn't there? Because the branch grows out of the vine. Much more than the vine needs the branch, the branch must have the vine. The branch gets its life from being connected to the vine. So what we have here is the vine, Jesus, inviting the branches, that's you and me, to enjoy the life that he offers. Right? Jesus is inviting us to enjoy the life that only he can provide. What grace. This is the Lord of the universe, the creator of all that is, the incarnate I am, inviting you to abide in him in a relationship of ongoing, life-giving grace. And I mean, somebody here is thinking, listen, I, I've got a secret. And that secret disqualifies me from what you're talking about. I've got a past that has gone too far afield. I, I, if that's you, I want you to consider 
that Jesus is saying this, abide in me and I in you, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He's saying this to his disciples the night before he dies. He's already washed their feet. He's already given them the bread and the wine. He is on the way to the garden. He is literally minutes from having all these guys run away in his hour of darkest and deepest need. He knows it. He knows they're going to abandon. He knows he's going to die. He knows he's going to rise again. And yet it is to these men, these deserters, that he is issuing the invitation, abide with me. And I with you. I mean, he's talking about after his resurrection, right? He knows he's going to die, and he's saying, I'm going to abide with you. He's sticking around. And if Jesus is, issues the invitation to these deserters, then surely he also issues the invitation to you and to me. Abide with me in worship, in prayer, in scripture reading. In Christian fellowship, abide with me. But Jesus says it's, it's a two-way street. Abide in, with me and I will abide in you. Remember the Gospel of Matthew, Great Commission? Jesus says, I will be with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you. Which means we can call on him in our own dark hours, in times of need. In the mid-1800s, there was an Anglican, Church of England priest. His name was Henry Francis Light. And he was a, an accomplished poet and a beloved preacher. Really, all his life, he struggled with poor health. He was a frail man. And when he was 54, he contracted tuberculosis. And it was a devastating disease. They had very little treatment. And with each passing day, his family could see that he was closer and closer to his death. And one September, he, in 1847, they were alarmed when he announced to them he was going to go back to his parish and preach one more sermon to him. They said, no, no, it's too dangerous. And he insisted. He said, it's much better to wear out than to rust out. And so that evening, he did. He preached a sermon on, on um, the sacraments, actually. And that evening, he was exhausted, but satisfied. And a dear friend, he was laying down, and a dear friend was attending to him. And into that friend's hand, he placed a note. And on that note were these words, and they may be familiar to you. Abide with me. Fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens, Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. I need thy presence every passing hour. What but thy grace can foil the tempter's power? Who, like thyself, my guide and stay can be? Through cloud and sunshine, Lord, abide with me. I fear no foe with thee at hand to bless. Ills have no weight and tears no bitterness. Where is death's sting? Where grave thy victory? I triumph still 
if thy if thou abide with me. You know, the invitation that we may abide with the Lord of Lords is overwhelming and exceedingly gracious, but that twin promise that He will abide with us is a comfort. It's almost beyond expression. Henry Light died two months later. A relatively young and happy man, safe in the arms of his Lord. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. And so friends, we end where we began. With the question, how would you describe your relationship with Jesus Christ? Is it rooted in the love of God? Is it a two-way street? Is it a relationship of mutual abiding? And before I close with a prayer, let me just say that if you want to know more about that or how to do that, I would love to talk to you about it. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you that the God of the universe wills that we abide with you, that you know us personally, that we are the branches and you are a life-giving, fruit-bearing vine. And we thank you that you love us. So Lord, give us the grace and the courage to abide with you through cloud and sunshine. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.